Welcome everyone to Resurrection Life Church in Cadillac, Michigan. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us, and we pray that you encounter God's goodness through the message today. Hey, we're in a series called A Holy Shift, and uh, what, what this is, is this series is, is, is a, about a sudden supernatural change for the better, and I believe we are in a holy shift season, a time where God is stirring hearts and homes and creating a hunger for God. A holy shift, when holy meets human, when heaven meets earth, and when a holy God meets the brokenhearted and brings them home again. I don't know about you, but I think we're all connected with people in life where we know that they may be struggling, they're going through something that's difficult, and you, you, you have the answer. We have, we have, I, I know, I know what, can, what can be done. I know that, man, if they can just receive Jesus, if they can just get on the stable ground, I know things, I know that they'll be happy and joyful. I know it'll change them for the better, right? We know that. So we're praying for them. Well, when I think of that idea of having people that we know we're praying for um, to experience uh, the goodness of God, this verse keeps coming to mind, and it's out of Hosea 11.11. You may, maybe you've read this before, maybe not, but Hosea 11.11, it says, like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt Trembling like doves, they will return from Assyria, and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. Amen? That's a promise. See, obviously, if someone is trembling like a dove, they've been through some kind of test or trial or shift. But this shift has produced a positive change in direction. They're coming back home. They're coming back to God. They're coming back to a place of safety and joy and celebration and freedom and authentic, loving community. And I can see the work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. I can see God working in hearts. I see people responding to the goodness of God because of a holy shift. Now, let's be perfectly honest for a moment. Any shift or sudden change can be flat out uncomfortable. It seems to come out of nowhere. But the shift has to be uncomfortable so that we can know the one who comforts, the Holy Spirit. As Meg said on Tuesday, if it's uncomfortable, it's probably right. Right? We, we're, we're, we're creatures of comfort. Like we want comfort. I mean, we want to curl up in a, you know, watch a movie. and become, There's nothing wrong with that. But, but the truth is, if it's uncomfortable, it's probably right. That's how we ended last series, by the way, with the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, because he'll not only comfort us, but he will keep us safe, stable, steady, and balanced during a shift. Those are three key words today. Say, say steady, say stable, say balanced. It was about 5 a.m. in the morning in 1992. I was living in Southern California when my room began to shake. I was startled and confused. I jumped out of bed and could not keep my balance. I wasn't sure what was happening. Everything was shaking and I couldn't find solid, 
unshakable surface to stand on. And I was reaching for things that were not secure. And I was watching pictures and paintings and things fall to the ground. It was my first earthquake. It was a wild experience. Very scary and intimidating because everything was suddenly unsteady and I was unbalanced. You know, there's so much in this life and our culture that keeps us unbalanced. And listen, when a shift occurs, it reveals what is unstable or unsteady in our lives. Come on. It exposes the insecurities and the things or people that we might have unknowingly placed our security in. I thought this was really cool. So I'm just going to deviate just for a moment. If you, if you like look at the Hebrew calendar, like the Hebrew year just started. Um, I, I like to go by that because that, that's like where everything started, right? In Israel, like if you want to know what's going on in the world, just check out Israel, find out what's happening in Israel. That's God's, that's God's chosen place, chosen people. We've been grafted in. Thank God we're part of his family. But, but this year is year 5783 in the Hebrew calendar. Those numbers combine, usually when you combine numbers, then it, it gives a, a Hebrew picture of something. Well, apparently it means to expose or to lay bare. Now, don't, 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 don't take this in a bad way. I'll, I'll show you how good this is as we walk through these, these shiftings. See, the shaking and the shifting is a good thing because it gives opportunity for the revealing and the removal of the things that do not offer internal freedom and eternal value. The shift lovingly exposes the harmful stuff that's been hidden underneath for years. But listen, it also uncovers the treasures that's God's ultimate goal. He's not digging up stuff so we feel bad. He's digging up the treasures in our lives. So here we go. I'm going to run around the Bible a little bit for a few minutes and show you some stuff regarding a holy shift and, 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 and what we need, uh, how we need to, to tackle this as we move forward. Haggai 2, 6, 3. Let me read this. For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says in just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures. Here we go. The treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. And I'll fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. That's people says the Lord of heaven's armies, the future glory of this temple he's talking about will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Oh my goodness. So around 520 BC, before Jesus uh, came and, and, and changed history forever, Haggai... This guy is given this vision about a future temple housing a future glory. The vision occurred about 60 years after the destruction of the most beautiful church ever built, Solomon's Temple. 
Right? You heard about that. It's the most beautiful. People would travel across the world just to check this thing out. They just poured so much money into this thing. But it wasn't the money. It was a temple for God. It was a church for God. But even though it looked hopeless and impossible because it had been destroyed and that this could never be good again, God paints a different picture for Haggai, a picture of hope and restoration and something much better to come, a glory that has never been seen before. Listen, when, when going through shift or change, or whether it's simple or difficult or devastating, listen, God is ready to give you a glimpse of what will be. That's our God, right? He never leaves us hanging in the trouble. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. It looks impossible. I don't, you, 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 like, it looks like we can never rebuild this thing. It looks like Solomon's temple was the best ever. We'll never be able to. He goes, no, no, I got something better, and I'm going to show you the future of a good outcome. Anytime you go through difficulty or change, we got to open up our ears and our eyes to hear and see the outcome that God has for us. A picture of a good and glorious outcome. So Haggai gets this awesome picture. He writes it down and speaks it out. And then it pops up again in the book of Hebrews, 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, Jesus said, remember he said, hey, he said, destroy this temple. You know, three days it will rise up again. They're like, you can't do that. You can't destroy a temple. They're thinking the natural. He, Jesus, being this incredible temple of God, the perfect temple that God, that God brought to this earth so that we could, we could live for eternity. His sacrifice, right? But, but, but this isn't even talking about Jesus. We're, we're talking about something else. Look at this. So it pops up again in Hebrews. Let me read this to you. When God spoke from Mount Sinai back in the day, his voice shook the earth. But now, say now, he makes another promise. Once again, I'll shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Verse 28, since we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Listen, this is referring to a time or season in the future, just before, many believe just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And by the way, both of those references in Haggai and Hebrews are a picture of revival. People coming back to Jesus, but preceded by a holy shift or a holy shake. Come on. You guys tracking with me? Listen, the shift shakes off the stuff that holds us back weighs us down, keeps us trapped, and sucks the life right out of us. But it also brings out the beauty and treasure as well, the silver and gold. That's why we need a holy shift. Say, Jesus, bring on the holy shift. <laughs> Be careful. So today, let me show you how to find balance 
and remain steady in the shift. Or how about this? Finding stability in the middle of difficulty. Listen, the fact that you're going through or have gone through difficulty is actually a blessing. We don't say it in it, but it's actually a blessing. Let me explain. You'll never be able to truly empathize with someone else until you experience it yourself. There are things or tools and weapons, love, empathy that you have in your life that you did not have prior to your difficulty. And that experience has now given you a confidence and an anointing to help others. I've always had a a, a level of empathy for people who've gone through difficulty, but now I've got it in my gut down here, right? Because I've been through it. So we don't realize is that confidence can grow in the middle of your seemingly disintegrating situation. And finding stability in the middle of difficulty is extremely important, especially in the days we live in today. First, know this. God is a God of balance. Look at how he designed the earth where everything works together so well in perfection. The earth's position in the solar system is in perfect balance. We're the perfect distance from our sun to receive just the right amount of heat and light. The light nourishes our plants so they can produce food and oxygen for us. Our distance from the sun keeps our water system in balance. If we were just a little closer to the sun, the oceans burn up and no life can be supported. Too far, the planet freezes. Balance. God is a God of balance. Defined an even distribution of weight enabling someone or something to remain upright and steady. Second, know this. It takes time to find balance, right? It takes a little time. I think of our kids taking their first steps. They're eager to go and quick to fall, but we don't get upset. We just know it's going to take a little time to find balance, right? And third, look at this talking about finding stability in the middle of difficulty, we must be honest with ourselves when things are out of balance. We don't like to admit when our lives are unsteady. But just so you know, most everyone already knows. Right? It's true. It's like uh, we finally got a new washer, but our, our other one, it lasted long. But I, I remember every time Emily washed our two little rugs, or couple rugs, you just throw them in there, and, and, and every time those rugs created an unbalanced um, turning in that, in that washer so that it would, it would start moving the washer and the washer would just bang up against the dryer and dent it. I mean, it was just, it sounded like a war was happening, but it was unbalanced but pretty obvious. Here are a few statements that might let you know if your life is out of balance. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm coming unglued. My life is out of control. I'm at wit's end. I'm really stressed out. I'm ready to throw in the towel. Been there, done that. Friends, if you're living with those statements or making those statements, God is ready to make things steady And by the way, first and foremost, Jesus is the answer to your stability. Look at this, Matthew 7, 24 through 25. Anyone 
who listens to my teachings, Jesus said, and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock or the rock. I just think we're in a wake-up call season. Don't you think? Waking up to what is really important. Waking up to what is priority. Waking up, I would say, to the reality of Christ instead of just dreaming about it. A holy shift of getting our balance back. Getting our feet on solid ground. So this is what happened with Nehemiah, remember, we're building this series on this moment, this foundational moment, when Nehemiah and his people finished repairing the walls of Jerusalem. Remember, if the walls weren't there, the city and temple were not protected. Things wouldn't go well. He finally finishes his thing in only 52 days. But that's not the end of the work. Because look what happens. Nehemiah 8, 1 through 3. They get it done. All the people... Assembled with a unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law, the Bible of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. Look at all the people listen closely to the book of the law. Now, in those three verses, I see words that are solid, steady, and ready. I see a people who are locked in to what God wants to do. So let me show you some, some, some stability during difficulty Number one, there was a holy shift in the heart. Say the heart. Listen, this is a really simple message, but when you take it to heart, when you, when you put it into practice, you, you will find yourself on steady, steady, steady ground. If you want stability, it all starts in the heart. In Nehemiah's case, there was a genuine inward change of the people. They'd been focused on the wall, the temple, the city, and their homes, the outward stuff. That's not bad, but, the, but that's not most important. It was the authentic inward change that happened. Look at Nehemiah 8, 9, and 10. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep. They started weeping when they started hearing, hearing the word. They said, don't mourn or weep. On such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, hey, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who, who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord your God. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Woo. So he pulls out the Bible. Reading it, they start crying. He says, don't cry, be happy. It's kind of an emotional thing happening here. But emotional nonetheless. I think of like, uh, I always love seeing a, a dude cry. 
You know, I, I like to see him tear up because of, of, of something good that's happening in his life. It tells me that when someone's emotional, that their heart hasn't gone hard. I love seeing it. Um, I, I always take inventory of my own heart. Am I still crying? Am I still happy and joyful? Are, there, are, these, are these emotions coming up? Because I've been around this long enough where I've seen, I've seen people um, lose their cry. They've lost their tears. You know that? And I always say, man, don't lose your tears because tears are a, tears are a, uh, a result of a heart that's still working and living right. You guys? I remember, and I'll never forget this, years ago when, when my mom, she, she had gone through rough seasons in life. And um, I remember uh, seeing her one day and she just was at the end of her rope. And I didn't know what to do. I said, Mom, we're just going to pray. And we just started praying. And it was some warfare prayer. And I'm like praying over my mom. And all of a sudden, she starts to cry and be happy at the same time. And I said, uh-oh, something broke. <laughs> something did break. I said, Mom, what's going on? She goes, I haven't cried, literally cried for 12 years. Like her, no tears because her heart had been so hurt and abused and used, and the enemy took advantage of that heart, and her heart became hard, and she was so happy that her tear ducts were opened. But really what was open was her heart. In that moment, you know, sometimes it just takes a get, get, get down and gritty, man, and, and, and prayer, you know, and warfare to get that heart in the right place again. They started weeping. These people. In other words, true emotions were coming out. There was a holy shift in the heart. Because like I mentioned last week, outward change doesn't last unless inward change is driving it. It won't, right? Look at this one, Proverbs 4.23. The heart, above all else. Matter of fact, let's read this together in the count of three. One, two, three. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. See, your mind is the battlefield. Your heart is the prize. You hear that? Your mind is the battlefield, but your heart is the prize. When my heart is good, life is good. If it's worried or troubled or fearful, then so am I. But when it's cheerful and hopeful and loved, then so am I. Guard your heart above all else, meaning this, more than anything else in your life, above all else, Make this the most important thing that you do. More than your car, more than your house, more than your job, more than your family, more than you guard any of those things, guard your hearts first. Amen? Because the heart is where everything flows from. 
It is a power source of life. If you want to stay steady, when you need to find balance, when, when, you, when you're finding stability in the middle of difficulty, just simply go right back to the heart. Be honest about your heart. Take inventory of your heart. God sees it anyway, and he loves you. See, many people think, well, God, I'm going to hide my heart. God doesn't see it. No, 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 no. He sees your heart, but he doesn't run from it. And I said before, you know, I, I've said last week, I said, you know, it just seems like I, I want to tell God, take a vacation for a couple of weeks. Leave this vacation. You know, I'm, I'm causing you too much trouble, God. Like, I, I know I'm, I'm, I've got my issues or whatever. I'm causing you too much trouble when I worry. And, and he's like, and God's like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, I, like, I'm up for the challenge, he would say, right? I love to be here in you, Dan. Like, this is what I'm good at. I'm not leaving you ever. He says, matter of fact, listen, listen, even in the, I'll go to the darkest place and no, nothing will ever scare me. That's why we can say, God, you know my heart anyways. Go ahead and start fixing it. <laughs> go ahead and start freeing my heart. Can't hide anything from you. That, why, why would I want to? And when you give your heart back to God, listen, watch the emotions start to flow again. That's why I love Wayne, you know, as a guy, uh, you know, you get around him, the tears are going to flow. That, that, that guy's got emotions, but what that is, that is his heart, his heart. And there's other guys here, your heart just like, here you go. It's alive and well. Nehemiah went almost done. Nehemiah 8, 1, check this out. All the people assembled with unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given Israel to obey. Nehemiah, listen, saw a holy shift in the heart, and he saw a holy shift in the house. Two things today, heart and house, a holy shift in the house. They were gathering together with a unified purpose to hear the word and follow the Holy Spirit. Those are solid words to stand on. Come on. The power and the presence of God that comes from family, that comes in a house like this, is absolutely unmatched by anything else you'll ever find on this earth. But it's the one place the devil tries to keep us from. Or it's the one place he tries to mess up and divide. Come on. But when the heart is right, come on, the house is right. There's just something special and unique that happens in a place where you shift your focus, your gaze, your eyes on Jesus. A holy shift in the house. And I'm not just talking about church. Listen, I'm talking about our homes, our families. When my home is good, life is good. Family is good. When my house is stressed, oh man, it's hard to be blessed, right? And when the heart is good, again, the house is good. And when the heart is good, the marriage is good. The family is good. I've had, we've had some interesting times in our home. Pastor, you, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We had kids, we, our kids were growing up. We, we, there were times we were fighting against flesh and blood, right? 
not physically, but we were arguing and trying to figure out. And, and, and thank God we came to our senses. Wait a minute here. This isn't supposed to happen in this house. This does not. Matter of fact, if, if you want to know as, as your pastor uh, what, what I value most is I value a house of unity and a house where people are genuinely loving each other, even though they're not perfect, right? I value unity. Matter of fact, if I sniff out disunity or division, I'm usually right on it pretty quick. <laughs> it's because I care for you. I care for God. I care for this house. Something that I believe that's in me because I grew up in, in a house with a lot of strife and division and abuse and blah, blah, blah. It was all in there. So I'm super sensitive to it in the spirit realm and the natural when it's happening in my house or this house. It's a good thing. It's not, a, it's not an easy uh, battle. Oh, my goodness. Many, many years of on your face praying and trusting God and, and all that kind of stuff. But the end result, like Haggai, come on, silver is gold. The, the, or silver is mine. The gold is mine. Greater glory. Almost done. Let me just talk about this house for a moment. We'll finish. This house, it, it's, it's a... Ecclesia, which is defined uh, a gathering of called out ones. Called out ones. You know, can I just brag on our, our church for a minute? Oh, man. I love this church. Like I said at our volunteer appreciation thing, I said, you know, when people come in here, I, I hear all the time. They don't hear, oh, man, that's a great message. I mean, sometimes you get it. You know, they love the worship. But they always say, man, the people. The people, the people, the presence of God, obviously, right? But the people, man, they're, they're it, I feel welcome. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, Lord. There's one thing that, that, that is going to be a light to the world is when you feel welcome. Listen, you don't want to come over my house if there's fighting all the time. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, I was over at the Klotz's here last week. And, and, you know, you're probably not going to come back again, right? It's going to take you a while. Just kidding, right? But I'm not. I mean, we, 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 we've, we, we've, we're, we're not perfect people, right? Yeah. Emily's put her foot down a couple times, right? Good. She's tough. I'm not messing with her, man. I back off quick. This place is a place where we assemble together with a unified purpose. Remember, man, they went through a holy shift, Nehemiah's people, and they got their hearts right, and all of a sudden they're now they're assembling together for a unified purpose. To, to, to learn how to love God and love people and to be loved by God. Church is a proving ground, a training facility to learn how to be Christians. Imperfect people learning relationship with each other and a perfect God. Let me say it this way. Church doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be his. That's it. Sometimes we forget that. We think church was made for us first and not for him, but, for, but it's made for Jesus. I sincerely hope that it does not offend you that this church is built for Jesus. 
Because this is what I found out through all the many years of following Jesus is that when I minister to him, he shows up and ministers to me. When we minister to him, he shows up and ministers to us, helps us. Sometimes we get it backwards, but there's a shift in the house, you guys. Giving the church back to Jesus. Unless he builds it, we labor in vain. There's a shift in the house. A change from being consumers to being producers, producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's a shift in the house where the Spirit leads instead of a clever business model or marketing plan. There's a shift in the house to truly become light and hope to a lost world. There's a shift in the house to learn what it means to love and be loved. And, and I'm, as I'm winding down, I thought of an awesome man of God who passed away years back, but had great influence um, in the body of Christ. And he, he, he died and he went to heaven, just like Paul did in the Bible. He, he goes, I, Paul said, man, I, I think I died. He goes, I, I either it was in my body or out of, I goes, I don't know what happened, but I saw something in heaven. I, he goes, I, I saw it. He goes, I went to that, 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 that heaven up there and I saw some things I can't even express, he said. So this guy had a similar experience. And look, you know what? When he got there, it was Jesus who asked him one question. First question, he says, did you learn to love? Think about that. Not did you read your Bible seven times through. Did you learn to love? Not that you served and gave your whole life. Did you learn to love? Oh, man, that's got to come right home into not only our hearts, but into our homes, into our churches. So don't be alarmed by this verse as we finish up. 1 Peter 4, 17. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins first with us, come on, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now let me just say something. This word judgment is not the word judgment. It just means separate. The time has come for the church to separate themselves from the things that harm themselves, to let God remove the things that weigh us down to bring us free. Listen, separate, separate. No more walking the fence. A cleansing, a purging, a sifting, a shifting in the house in order to unify it. We sure have come a long way. Starting from one unified gathering 2,000 years ago in an upper room to now 300,000 denominations. I love all the parts, the beautiful parts of the different denominations, right? They're beautiful. But here's the problem that we've gotten into. When a denomination takes the part that is good and they make it the whole. And that's where we're divided. Come on. You guys know what I'm saying? Like, 
if I make the part, the Bible says we only see in part, right? That's why we're parts and we need each other. The parts fit together and make this work. But when I take the part that I know and make it the whole, something is wrong. Matter of fact, cults have started that way. Nope, I heard, I got the revelation from God and that's it, blah, blah, blah. If I start saying that, please run. Just, 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 get out, just get out of this church. If I've lost my mind, I start saying, no, this is it. This is the one. No, 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 no. It's just not going to happen. Silly because I'm not messing with Emily. She, she will take me down. Why am I saying that? Because there, there's, there's a shift in the house because here's the deal. There is not one church who owns the corner of the market on the gospel. Not one church. Jesus owns the corner. He owns the gospel. <laughs> Come on. Jesus owns the gospel. You want to make this thing simple? Jesus. Jesus. They said, what do I do, Jesus? What, what kind of works do you want me to do? He said, I just want you to believe in the one that God sent. That would be me. That's it? Yeah. There's a holy shift happening in the heart there's a holy shift happening in the house. All for God's glory, a greater glory. People coming in, your friends, your family that you've been praying for. They may not come here, but they're going to go somewhere. They've been trembling. They've been through it. They're going to find some place to go. Amen. A holy shift. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, God. For the shift that's here, God. And we're not scared. We're excited because we see there's an end result. There's a great outcome, a future. All of these little churches who we are filled with the glory of God moving into our homes, cities, communities. God, that's what it is. We realize, God, that you're just shaking things so that we hold on to the only one who is unshakable, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus and Jesus alone. God, let Jesus unite us. Let Jesus unite us, God. Let Jesus be lifted high so that it draws all people to you, Jesus. If you're here and you say, man, Dan, I feel like my life is on unstable, shaky ground. I feel like I'm on the end of my rope. And maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. This is a great time to do it. Or maybe you need to give it back to Jesus. This is a great time to do it right now because we need the rock. We need the rock in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships. And you know what? Let's pray an authentic prayer from our hearts. If you just take your hand, put it over your heart, and we're just going to pray this as a family. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through, but God's going to hear your prayer, and God's going to take everything and shift it and make it steady and solid, not just for you, but for the people outside these four walls so they have someone to come to that can help them and lead them to the one who's steady. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the precious name of Jesus. I say to you, Jesus, that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. 
and you are my rock. You are the solid ground under my feet. I hold on to you. And when things shake around me, you are unshakable. I cling to you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me and loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right. We got through. Hey, we love you guys. Have a great day. Prayer team is up here. I'm not even talking about the lines today. So you take care. We're honored that you are with us today. Please connect with us because we want to get to know you. Head to our website, getreslife.org. That's G-E-T-R-E-S-L-I-F-E dot org. And like us on Facebook, Resurrection Life Church Cadillac, for upcoming events and information and ways to connect. God bless you and have a beautiful day.